CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. I said, hey, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, uh, you know, I, I'm down for hugs, elbow, elbow bumps, uh, fist pumps, uh, uh, handshakes, high fives. <laughs> and he, he just writes all the above, baby, period. You know, and I was like, man, gotta love Glenn. Just- Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we are uh, speaking with a very special guest. It's director Josh Rubin. His movie Werewolves Within comes out in theaters June 25th and on demand July 2nd. Uh, Josh, welcome. How are you? You know, how are you guys? (laughs) (laughs) How are you indeed? If we're going to do puns and stuff, we might as well go right off the bat. Like how the hell is the writer of this movie called Mishnah Wolf? Anyway, I'm sure she's already gotten that a whole bunch, but but it's a total mess. And she's taken it. She's taken each uh, punch so elegantly on each talented cheek. Yeah, I know. It's um, uh, it's uh, it's a miracle. You know, it's it's uh, it's his will. You know, I you know, I don't know. It's uh. Uh, yeah, and how do they get a guy with a last name that is a sandwich to direct it? No idea. Right. You know I mean? I, yeah, it's right. That's what I was sitting there thinking the whole time. Um, okay, so let's go right into your cast. I think the I think we need to talk about your cast first on this because you've populated it with a whole ton yeah. of recognizable character actors. If you've watched any comic television show of any sort or anything like that you've you recognize these people of course you recognize sam richardson from veep and stuff like that um you also recognize uh milana Vintrub, of course mm-hmm. at&t commercials and you know it's just there's so many people in this so w- tell me what what your process was in getting this incredible cast for this oh movie. man there were so many different um so many different routes uh you know you you w- with all these uh all these films um, studio films and the like, you have a big board, you make your kind of wish list, your sort of dream list. Um, I always knew that, uh, you know, that I wanted to work with friends. I wanted to, I, I tasked the casting director, Gail Keller, to, um, to enact a no assholes policy. So everyone that kind of came through was like, oh, I've heard uh, that one's a bully. Oh, I've heard that one carries uh, and falls very, uh, very strongly on one end of the political spectrum. Maybe we shouldn't have that, per- you know, as a, um, but but I did know I wanted buddies. I wanted friends because we were going mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. I did my, my first film was, you know, a little bit closer to civilization, but still in the Hudson Valley, you know, near Woodstock, New York. This is in Fleischmann's. This is another 40 minutes out kind of towards, you know, um, not desolation, but sort of, you know, we're, we're going to be like summer camp, but in the winter. So winter camp, bring a buddy. I knew from the get-go I wanted George Basil, George who plays Marcus in the film, mm-hmm. who's been on, yes, you know, like crashing and flaked and wrecked. And he's done all these kind of um, uh, awesome TV shows. And like, I've known him for years and he's very disarming and charming and magnetic and just like bitingly funny and is like a good time. So I said, right away, I want George to come aboard. 
I made my dream list. I always wanted mm-hmm. to work with Michael Chernus. I've always wanted to work with Sam Richardson. Um, Milana and I have known each other yeah. for well over a decade. So I basically took these big swings with folks who I'd either met in the comedy community um, or tasked to my actors once they were cast, hey, who do you want to come play your spouse? Who do you want to come play your husband, your partner? And specifically with George, he said, well, you know, I think Sarah Burns would be great. And so then he would have a buddy to bring him to <laughs> camp. And then Harvey Guillen, I said, who do you want to play your husband? He said, Cheyenne Jackson. And Cheyenne, I was like, holy oh, shit. Wow. I, I hadn't thought of Cheyenne Jackson, but he's wonderful. He'd just done Watchmen, you know, and... Um, I'd known of mm-hmm. him since the Broadway days. And uh, so it was just, it was, it was kind of a, um, it was a holistic venture, you know? And I love that you cast Michaela Watkins too. I've, I love her. I have loved her for years, ever since I saw her on SNL, um, which, and I believe she was the one that got, when she got let go from SNL, she said Lauren Michaels told her it was because she was too funny, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> I'd buy it. I'd buy it. Yeah. I I would totally buy it. Yeah. She, she's also one of those like just incredible human beings who's kind of down for whatever, you know, I mean this whole cast really, you know, yeah. like, um, but yeah, just, just, a just a wonderful human being who's just like down to clown, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was Is great. this the type of movie where everybody comes on set and they just know, exactly what this movie is and and it's to just you know they're just in their character at the moment or did you have to like round them up and say this is sort of what i'm looking for and they got it that way you know through through trial and error or whatever well um it's a great question so first of all you know i'm a first-time feature director not werewolves is my is my second but you know all these sort of great established character actors you know established actors they knew me for just this one film and like you know videos i done for college humor so first mm-hmm. of all everybody was skeptical they're like mm-hmm. i'm gonna do this werewolf movie in fleischman's new york with you know, this kid. (laughs) So I shared everyone, not only with my director's deck, like my pitch book that basically said, you know, this, we're, we're going to make Fargo if it were an Amblin film, you know, um, uh, (laughs) knives out with a werewolf, you know, and everybody kind of got it, you know? Yeah. And, and also that with a 12 person cast and a limited budget, you know, we're not always going to have two cameras. So it's going to be a lot about the the group, the ensemble working together that a group shot might turn into a close-up or close-up might turn into a, you know, shot of the whole room kind of a thing. And it'd be a bit of choreography and everyone working together, not close-up, 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 close-up. Everyone just kind of waiting for when they'd get their medium. Um, So uh, Mm -hmm. I had phone calls with every actor, Sam, especially, obviously, you know, he was kind of our first one aboard, our kind of leader, our guiding light, um, you know, to sort of set the tone and and, and reassure him and everyone else, like, you're going to be taken care of, A, B, like, I will do all my prep, this isn't going to be some schlocky film, and I'll make sure that you're not going to get caught trying to be funny like that's my big thing and that's how i think i'm able to balance like <laughs> horror comedy so well why people are like how do you do it well for re- what it is is you don't get caught trying to make jokes and you play the emotional yeah. <laughs> stakes and scares for real you know and they like luckily trust me and here we are well i was just gonna say that that was the one thing i thought was interesting i've, I've seen scare me as well which i love by the way um and i i love the i just i don't know what that is but i like how you um kind of leave like uh i'm trying to think how to say this it kind of plays on the edge of whether or not it's horror or not for quite a while and then and then you kind of find out you know at the end like that's almost part of the mystery too right and um i you know i just i in both of the movies i noticed you did that really well 
Um, so I thought that was great. Thank you. I think it's just, again, it's, a, you have to know what you're getting into and you have to know what you're saying. You have to, you have, you can't just like, um, I tell it to people who, you know, ask me advice, you know, like what, what should I make? What should I do? And how should I do it? And it's like, well, you got to write to some level of truth and groundedness mm-hmm. and not really have any kind of, um, uh, sort of confusion about that or dilution about what you're trying to say. Otherwise you'll end up with the 30% rotten tomatoes because you're kind of, you know, your vision yeah. is split. You think you're, you're either writing mm. cool or making a film just for the sake of just kind of making something, which you can't do tempting as it is if you're, you know, given the chance. So, you know, um, same thing goes with just with tone It's like, you've got to know what you're saying and you've got to be the, you know, the, the open nerve to receive and be the barometer for what's too much and too little. Um, how did you get involved with this project? What was the, were, were you there from the beginning or, or uh, how, how did uh, how'd this all uh, start? Not the beginning, beginning. The beginning, beginning was Ubisoft. Um, uh, basically, Margaret Boykin had sort of shepherded, begun this um, women's fellowship program, TV and film a fellowship writing program that Mishnah's script um, was developed through. Um, and it's an incredible program. And Misha basically had her run of the archive to sort of go, I, I want to, I want this title to kind of write whatever I want, you know, in any sort of sense, spiritually about any IP. And she picked werewolves within and thought it would be, might be a relevant sort of arachnophobia esque like movie like yeah. tale there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Fargo esque. And she, she did it. And then, you know, they started looking for directors and and it was just this kind of serendipitous thing where um, the producers who work at Vanishing Angle, Matt Miller and Natalie Metzger, who are the folks behind uh, Thunder Road and Jim Cummings' um, uh, other film, Wolf of Snow Hollow, mm-hmm. they were buddies. Yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, so they were working on another werewolf film, first of all. But they were like, they came to see very graciously, <laughs> very generously agreed to come give notes at a scare me test screening. Like when scare me was even fatter than it is now, um, two hours and 12 minutes or whatever. And they gave notes on it, but they were kind of like, holy shit, this guy can make a contained movie sort of interesting. Um, This might be the proper tone for this other thing that we're pitching on as production company. Would you be interested to toss your hat in the ring? And so when I read the script, I sort of winced at the the idea of what I thought would be like a video game movie, quote unquote, you know, they don't have a great reputation. Mm-hmm. And from page right. one, it was just flat out everything I ever wanted in a film, loved in movies growing up, you know, Spielbergian, um, but with that esoteric kind of Coen's sort of spin, I pitched on it and I won the gig and, and the rest is Halstory, you know? Uh, <laughs> nice you came prepared with all the puns today and i appreciate appreciate that uh it's funny uh you know I've, I've watched this movie twice and uh and by the way you you mentioned uh wolf of snow hollow i think people should watch both of those movie both of these movies back to back uh it would be a very interesting double feature, I think, uh, because it's it's. I think it's interesting how you you both are made you both made uh, you know small town werewolf movies, but they're they've got they're such different in tone and everything. Even though his is funny too, uh, it's just that it's. I think those would be interesting back to back because it's amazing how much material you can mine from this one simple premise and and uh and have that much material going on and anything anyway 
Um, I, after watching this the second time, I was like sitting there. I, first time I went through it, I was like, this is very Edgar Wright. This seems very Edgar Wright to me. There's something in the editing going on here and whatever. And I thought I was being really smart thinking that up. And then I went back and read your press release and realized that you had some, you, you, you mentioned hot fuzz in this. You also mentioned arachnophobia and the Coen brothers and everything. But, um, the one thing that stood out to me was the, the influence of Edgar Wright definitely is over this movie, especially in the editing and how you use sounds to, to punctuate scenes and everything. Is this really mm -hmm. difficult to get a handle on, like to do it like this, to, to do a movie like this, edit it like this, shoot it? I, I mean, uh, I, I, the style did any, I mean, even to like Taika Waititi's sort of acerbic sort of punchy paste mm -hmm. up sort of style as well. Like hunt for the wilder people is a, is a great example of one that, that really hit me mm -hmm. that, you know, makes you feel, but also takes you on a bit of a, something of a genre ride. Um, and yeah, I, I, I always sort of felt it kind of paced up to a degree, but it it's achievable really only with the proper team. You have to have people who believe in you that you can transition scenes with very, very trim footage that you only, you know, like mm -hmm. trust that you can make a, a, your 12 person producing team or six person producing team trust you that you won't need reshoots that I just need these three shots to make, you know, to, to make our audience understand or, you know, be transportive um, to, you know, uh, relay a certain amount of information. Brett Bachman, our editor who also edited Mandy um, and the vigil and is about oh, to wow. do a toxic Avenger film for legendary like Brett is already so um, stylish and visceral a sound is very important to him so you know not every editor will go through and sort of put in the legwork to lay in sound because they go well the sound designer is just going to come in here and eviscerate everything I do anyway but you know, he had a relationship with Owen Granich <laughs> Young, who's our sound designer on this film anyway. And so he sort of knew already that we were we were going to kind of be working tangentially more or less. And, you know, oh, yeah, Owen will, you know, up this or he's familiar with this archive sound. Design, you know, thing. So anyway, it, you know, it, it's a combination of knowing like storyboarding those moments to imbue uh or enact an edgar wright-esque like transition you can't just say yeah we're gonna make it you know in the edit um right they're they're best mm -hmm. when you include the tilt up the tilt down to infer the camera movement and then add the sound so you got to plan for it. you can't just and i did that I'm, I'm absolutely to blame for that and moments and scare me where i thought oh yeah we'll just slide the beer into frame and then you know pop the cap off and it'll feel just like Shaun of the Dead where it doesn't it because I didn't get that kind of alternate shot of the cap mm -hmm. you know to really make it feel like a visceral beat yeah. whereas here it's I knew I wanted you know Sam to turn his head a certain way and then to whip into the binoculars and push into the binoculars and then have his hand come in and then pull it out you're, you're building Legos you know um and Brett <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah Brett only made it better Brett you know like you're 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 right-esque or your punchy editing and sound and you know the, the viscerality of it all is only as good I think as your filmmaking sure but your editor just kind of being down for the cause is, is everything and Brett might as well be a producer on this film I defer to him so much he helped me build out this thing so much mm. he's so responsible for <laughs> you know for the style he even did the titles you know the beautiful like sort of beetlejuice-esque yeah font. um you were the these the sounds in this movie like uh, i i didn't notice it the first time because uh, you 
because one thing that i think this movie does is re- i think it rewards uh, multiple viewings and uh you know i didn't notice the first time when uh they're talking to glenn fleshler um you know when he says freedom there's an eagle that that you can hear in the background and uh <laughs> and uh and then there's the the point where um uh rebecca henderson who's another great uh part of this cast uh is talking through a hole in the door and telling everybody what she's found and she knows something and and uh you can hear in the background all this commotion and someone says um what did what did her eyeball say (laughs) uh it's it this is the type of stuff i love like i think in lesser movies they realize that's a funny line so they want to make sure that you know they they cut to somebody saying that or whatever but in this case you let the viewer sort of just hear this as a part of the commotion and it makes it so much so much more funny to do that uh, ha- like how many how much of this is just adr or just something you happen to catch is it is it uh is it like um you know scenes you shot or is it uh, what it's uh, what's the other uh, th- uh, there's a lot of improv going on is it in the script how do you create these moments well, that's an awesome question and a great observation. So with something like, um, what that eyeball say? Uh, that's, uh, that's bringing in George to ADR and him mm-hmm. being his improvising, you know, a br- brilliant improviser self. Um, uh, when I task him to say react, you know, in the crowd to this news, he'll just toss that out and we go, holy shit. Well, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, whereas, you know, in the (laughs) cafe, the wonderful trailer moment that, um, that we have where, you know, Finn goes, uh, well, it looks like we're having a good old fashioned sleepover. And George says with guns though, with guns. Yes. So there's with guns though. And with guns, yes, is improv. That's not only George tossing out that improv, but Sam being a you know comedian superhero and picking right up on the heels of that and improvising, not not missing a beat with guns, yes. And it ends up being mm-hmm. this kind of magical moment. As a director, you gotta be you gotta be willing to catch all of it and form all of it, allow it, support it, and and here look what you end up with. It's I couldn't have thought of that, you know. What did I about say? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just just uh adds so much uh depth to everything that you're watching i love the yeah the moral of the story of is um, you know hire sam richardson and george basil you know and, and really all the rest of them yeah <laughs> i can't tell you one actor that that didn't offer some kind of wonderful you know improv or magical moment that's a wonderful thing about this about this this cast yeah you, you said you, you shot this in upstate New York. Is that where you shot it? Yeah, that's where I'm from. That's why I keep, I, I'm going to treat it like Shyamalan treats Pennsylvania. I'm just going to try and keep <laughs> going back to uh, <laughs> to the Hudson Valley. Because it's where uh-huh. I, you know, as a, as a chubby, friendless kid who had a big imagination, it's where I played. It's where I shot at imaginary monsters with my cap gun in the woods. And it's where, you know, I hope to drive back some, some commerce, you know. I, I love it. I think it's a magical, yeah. magical place. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 how, how did you find this location? What was the, uh, what was, what was, what was it about it that you, that said, this is the place that I'm going to shoot this, shoot this movie. We always knew, I think ready or not had come out just before we went into production and the uh, mission is script, you know, it, 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 it's so um, the, the Beaverfield Inn specifically 
just so leapt off the page as being kind of a dark labyrinthine mm-hmm. sort of cozy um firelit uh house and um we did a a pretty hefty location scout in october of i guess it was 2019 all over that area and my fiance had sort of at the last minute said, you know, I, I went to this New Year's Eve party at this place called Spillion, which is basically, a, um, it's like a bed and breakfast and events space. And as soon as we walked in, it, it felt like it felt like everything we ever wanted. And then some, it has such character to it. It felt like, like, like a location in Clue. Um, it felt mm-hmm. like an old mm-hmm. mansion. It reminded me too, in a weird way of this is so obscure, but so I married Nax murderer concludes in this kind of San Francisco, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this like yeah, mansion. Yeah. And even though that was like a way, a brighter palette, like this one kind of reminded me of it. So anyway, it was, it was perfect. And down to the production sort of, um, uh, support of the space as well. It had, it just kind of went on and on. We knew we could put, you know, whatever honey wagons in a production office and makeup in the attic and high ceilings and, you know, um, uh, the artwork and everything. And also the owner, Mark, was just so wonderful to work with. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah, Thank you, yeah. my fiance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an interesting thing to me, too. And I don't know if this is if this is a purposeful thing or if it's just due to budget or whatever, but. I find it interesting in this movie that there are no cops and there are no hospitals <laughs> or anything that enters into the into the fray. Like I I it's it's weird. I'm glad that there's not. I'm glad that there aren't any cops or hospitals in this movie because you have to keep your your cast together and everything like that. But was that ever addressed? Was that something that like, you know, somebody said, "Hey, what's the deal? The guy's hand gets bitten off." Uh, shouldn't he be run to a hospital? <laughs> I think if anything, I think there were probably lines that were a bit expositional, like, you know, as soon as the snow melts or as soon as the ice clears or whatever, yeah. we can, you know, get on a snowmobile and head down the mountain and get help or whatever. And there were earlier drafts that sort of drove that home. But the more we just kind of kept going through pages, the more we we're kind of like, this is, this is the shining. I mean, in a way it's like, a, you don't need all that mm-hmm. stuff. You can just kind of end on this fun climax and this, this great note and you're creating a world. I mean, it is sort of a, it's funny that it's a video game adaptation technically. And we sort of inadvertently ended up making this sort of um, cartoon world, this live action, sort of a cartoon world of people can I just get, you know, just, just die off. There no mention of cell phones. <laughs> like, you know, it's, I love that stuff. Yeah, one, yeah. one conversation I had <laughs> right. too with like my, my wardrobe designer, Dave Tabbert was make these guys look like action figures, you know, make, make Sam look sort of timeless in his, you know, his forest green coat with not too much business and the badge and everything else. And everything's sort of very, you know, make it feel like, you know, Lincoln log, you know, characters or something. Um, mm-hmm. And it sort of lends itself mm-hmm. to, uh, to all that logic, I suppose. Was the, was the video game adaptation aspect of it? Was that um, ever like, did, did they want you to include certain things or were you able to pretty much just kind of do whatever you wanted with it? I've never played the game, so I don't know if there's anything, you know, like, uh, stuff hidden in there that you know references it or anything like that it's so funny this was the wonderful thing about ubisoft jason altman especially um you know sort of basically runs the um this the entertainment contingent over there along with margaret boykin and andrew lieberman but 
I was the one to come in and go, what do I owe you? You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 even though the game, which is a social deduction game where you are in the circle sort of going, you know, who's the, who's the werewolf. Um, even though it had, it takes place in a completely different time. It's sort of fantasy based. It's, it's, you know, uh, takes place at the, you know, the, the foot of a castle, the bottom of a medieval, you know, village in the, va- the valley of a medieval town. Um, they said, no, you, you, you don't owe us anything. Just, you, you just owe us a good movie. And so I was the one to <laughs> be awesome. like, well, I, mm-hmm. the, the, the movie fan in me, especially based on any IP, especially based on a video game wants Easter eggs. So I was the one to sort of go, I, I asked Ubisoft to curate kind of a book of all of the assets from the game mm-hmm. so that I could show my production designer, Brett Tanzer and go, okay, well, what, 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 what artwork, what kind of nods can we bring in? We were able to do that. Um, there's a book that's very integral to the game, sort of a menu book, a, you know, a key um, and that exists in the lobby. There's some artwork <laughs> and other sort of Easter eggs and stuff. But it was I, I ultimately ended up being more for me than any. You know, cool. I think than anybody else, which is so cool. That's crazy, you know. What was this? Uh, what was this set like? Um, the it was everybody surprisingly just all business, or was it loose? Or what was what was the sort of vibe that was on this set? From the get go, it was. <laughs> It was warm and friendly. Um, I mean, I'll say it again, like winter camp. And I think I think that has so much to do with the fact that I built it out from the place of I, I want talented people. I want the funniest people I know, but I want friends and I want um, I want I want good people. And so even just in kind of bringing in the two or three good people, quote unquote, that I knew personally, um, it was magic that Michael Chernus, who I've always wanted to work with, also turns out to be one of the most grounded, most wonderful, um, you know, people that 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 Sam as um, cordial and kind of genuine as he is on a show like uh, Veep or really in any performance he's ever done that he actually is that kind, cool, nice, as much of a leader Um uh, in real life as he is in the film, it lent itself to being a very friendly, fun set. And it was, what was great was that um, they were, they almost all fanned over each other from various projects. Everyone kind of knew of each other because they're almost all at the same level. You know, there was no like Bruce Willis to come in who was like, you know, overshadowing anyone. Everyone mm-hmm. was kind of like, um, mm-hmm. all kind of in awe of each other and all sort of at the same level. And so everyone was just kind of joking. Like they were, you know, they were, they, they wouldn't all retreat to a dressing room or anything. Everyone just hang out in the living room for shooting in the living room or stay to read with each mm. other because what the hell else am I going to do? Hang out in the cold attic or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the best kind of, the best kind of environment to create. And I, I'd never have it any other way from, from night one, when we read through the script following into the next day, when we were just getting going, you know, it was all hands and it, that that's on your director and your producers too, but your director to be like, this is about teamwork. This is about this kind of energy. Um, I, I brought them on the tour. Like after we walked through some of the bigger scenes, it just kind of loosely read through no pressure. Some of these scenes just kind of answer questions for the actors and stuff. I took everyone on. It's my favorite memory. I think of the movie and making it was I took all the actors on a tour of the house just us, just, you know, the, the 12 of us, mm-hmm. 11 of us, I think Glenn hadn't yet come up yet. 
And I would walk them through the hall. I'd say, this is where this is going to happen. This is where this shit's going to go down. This is Ellis's room. This is where the lab <laughs> is, you know, and everyone just so appreciated it. And, you know, like Michaela was so moved by it. We took a picture up there. It was just like really, really nice. And you kind of realize that, and I realized this is my time as an actor, not every, not every director is going to walk you through and take the time to explain themselves. They're just often they treat actors like cattle, regardless of how sort of, um, mm-hmm. you know, regal they are and the like. And, and that's, that's no way, uh, no other way I'd rather be than, than how we had it on this film. I think that that ends up being a testament to the energy of it all. Um, I'm not going to ask you to uh, speak for someone else or anything, but why don't we see Milana Weintraub in more things? Like, I know that she's she's not hurting or anything. She's not hurting, but like, why don't we see her in more? Why don't we see her in more like yeah, bigger movies and everything? Because I get this sense that stud like big studios are are like, oh well, everybody's going to just be like, that's the AT and T girl. What is you know. How are we gonna how are we gonna get people to get beyond that and everything? Um, do you do you have any idea why that is? <laughs> I, you know, I I I don't want to answer for her as a question for Milana, but but I will say it's it's uh it's so funny just to use the word unfair with how successful Milana has been in her career in her right. commercial career, but she, you know I. I don't know. I mean, she's one of the funniest goddamn people I know, and so kind. Um, I mean, you look mm-hmm. at her her humanitarian work and the fact that she could make a better fart joke, not just a funnier fart joke, but like a better <laughs> fart. Like she's one of the guys and the girls. She's one of everyone and can just like, you know, uh, she could get down and clown like anybody else. And it's just, I don't know. I think it's, I think that, that like um, this whole business is such a lottery anyway. I mean, she in, in, in every respect is eons more successful than me. Um, but she hadn't mm-hmm. necessarily had many opportunities like this before. And I think it was part of the thrill um, of my kind of going, uh, oh my God, now I get to show or I get to provide a vehicle for my friend I've known for a long time for what she can do. And, and that is what's so mm-hmm. like, I, I really hope this is a, a new chapter for her um, and I love that. I love when, like, I, I remember years ago, this is obscure. I know you guys, will, you guys will know this reference, but when Greg Kinnear was the talk soup guy yeah, and then he did, yeah, yeah. uh, then he did, um, uh, not something's got to give, oh my God, the Jack Nicholson film with the, uh, as good as it oh, gets, as good as it gets oh, yeah. when he did as good as it yeah. gets and he turned, everybody kind of went, holy shit. I really hope this is, got- <laughs> this yeah. is as good as it gets kind of move for her. I really do. And I think it can be, it's possible to jump from, you know, mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I just, I was just sitting there just going, I, I, like, I understand, I understand what, like, if you've seen the, you've seen these, you know, commercials for years, they've been on forever and ever and ever. And she plays Lily and all this, but like, I, I watching this movie, it wasn't like, I wasn't sitting there going AT&T girl, AT&T. I wasn't like sitting there thinking mm-hmm. that she immediately gets away from that, even though she's still playing a nice you know gentle person and everything like that i just i just uh, you know i don't know sometimes you just root for people a lot of times and this is this is one of those times uh because i think she's i mean i I think she's great in those commercials uh 
and then to you know and then in this movie she's phenomenal so uh, i'm hoping it's a, a springboard for her as well um i could i i feel like i could talk about your whole cast forever uh you know i i keep on finding mm-hmm. like i'm going i'm i'm going down up, up and down this this cast list and glenn fleshler has become one of my favorite character actors i've seen him in billions i saw him on barry um uh he was in joker yeah he's he's somebody that um i don't think i've ever seen him play a character like this i don't know if he even i i would have i would have never guessed he had this kind of dry humor uh, uh playing such a serious person quote unquote uh and everything could you t- talk about him a little bit just let's let's throw some light on glenn fleshler hell yeah i mean um i ha- i again i had my phone call with him um there was actually kind of a scary moment where you know we reached out to him and they had to turn us down uh his him and his team because it was pilot season he was like i you know i might i might hit a jackpot out here i don't know if mm-hmm. i can go out and do this sort of you know this indie mm-hmm. film in the in the woods with you and then he came back around and said actually i think i i can do this and we all like cheered um i had my call with him my, <laughs> yeah. my question to to all the actors on the phone was how do you like to work how do you like to be talked to? How do you like to be directed? Because some people say, you know, Sam will say, hey, you know, I'm really easy, but, you know, don't don't tell me how to, you know, do a, don't don't do a, like a line reading for a joke, uh, you know, w- without like saying he's a comedic superhero. He's a comedic superhero. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. you know, the, M- Michael Chernus might just want to know, you know, what level of creep factor or whatever. Um, uh, and pretty much everybody is like, whatever. Tell, you know, Milan is like literally move my arms, like tell me what to do. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Ragdoll mm-hmm. my, you know, um, <laughs> Right. And Glenn was like, I've worked with every director. I've worked with every actor. I'm pretty easy. I'm excited to just like kind of do this character part. You meet this dude. Glenn is is a is a gentle giant, but he but you are in the presence of the Yellow King. I mean, you you know he's got these kind of <laughs> these you know uh, uh, I don't want to say dead eyes, but he like has that dead eyed that dead eyed stare. And then he he starts talking, mm-hmm. and he's like the the sweetest dude. Um, he's just, he's mm-hmm. quiet. And I think, I wonder if part of that was his kind of being character for Emerson, but, but we were just texting him the other day cause we're ready to go to Tribeca together. And I said, Hey, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, uh, you know, I, I'm down for hugs, elbow, elbow bumps, uh, fist pumps, uh, uh, handshakes, high fives. <laughs> and he, he just writes all the above baby period, you know, just like, man, Glenn, just like, like uh glacially warm uh and he was just so gracious to sit at lunch with like his you know his the beard adhered to his face and answer questions about like working with michael shannon on waco <laughs> and about being in the presence of joaquin working on joker um and uh yeah. that, that's a that's a real deal character actor because he could he could you know make you bust ass laughing on barry but then scare the hell out of you on you know the handful of other things where he's mm-hmm. And, and, and we've, we've mentioned, we've mentioned Sam Richardson, uh, many times throughout this podcast. I don't think we've really, really talked enough about him, maybe possibly, um, to really get down in the dirt. I love how in this movie, everything about him is sort of a criticism about being nice and everything. 
um it's it's uh there's this there's i I loved his speech at the end by the way because it's like yeah i mean (laughs) you're gonna call somebody out for being nice um and and i and i i thought it was also kind of funny that they played on this and promising young woman when he shows up in that movie uh as well they played on his niceness in that Uh, but uh but uh, but anyway, uh, talk about talk about Sam because I feel like this is another guy. When I first saw him in Veep, I was like, "Where the hell did this guy come from?" Like, I, I he just came out of nowhere. He's he. I mean, you would think that there's there's no way you can improve Veep at all, and then he shows up and just he has all these great dry one liners and everything. Uh, but anyway, yeah, talk about him. Comes from the improv scene, um, you know, out of Detroit. He's like a Detroit guy through and through. I mean, Detroiters. He's he's not only a stellar mm-hmm. improviser and a great guy, um, but he's also a producer and a writer. He understands comedy and the business of it all. Um, and he's a genre dude. He's like he he loves werewolves. He you know he That's loves cool. werewolf movies. He loves mm-hmm. yeah he's you know, he's, he's a, he's a nerd, you know, and, um, and, and with this role, it was really exciting to go to him and hear him say, you know, this is something people don't usually come to me and have me, um, have me helm. I'm usually the buddy, you know, this, um, uh, uh, and, and to, to have him come aboard and play the hero, um, and go through everything that Finn does, kind of through the film and play it to the top of his game. I, I, I've been using this, um, butchering this quote from Guillermo del Toro, but he did a DGA, uh, DGA question and a Q&A with the guy who who wrote and directed Barb and Star, The Vista Del Mar, which is a very, very funny movie. Oh, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. Um, he was talking about comedic actors, uh, Guillermo del Toro, and how they operate at the top of their the top of their game, like with a hundred percent of their kind of gears firing, um, because they're not only automatically using and utilizing their comedic superpowers, but they're also then um, tapping into their acting chops, playing dramatic circumstances and the like. And that is Sam. Sam was operating at a hundred percent. Um, not only as a producer, but as an actor uh, with his dramatic chops, playing emotional stakes for real and his vulnerability for real. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but like when he was allowed to or when it was appropriate to play at the top of his comedic game, um, uh, you have this character that is just like so disarming, charming, wonderful. And everybody gets their kind of Agatha Christie mm-hmm. moment. He's still a suspect, which is what's so exciting about yeah. um, really every member of the cast too. Everyone kind of has their their opportunity to, you know, um, turn a right cheek into a into a shadow. I was just gonna say, I love that too about the movie. How the how how there are little details all throughout. Like there's a character called Wolfson uh there's uh you know because when i when when they when when there was just that casual mention of somebody's name i was like oh maybe possibly i don't know but like everybody seems to have their own motives and everything it's kind of like scream in that way and so like how they how scream always seem mm-hmm. to find a way to you know uh make everybody a suspect in that movie just through tiny details and everything anyway uh jonathan go ahead no i was just gonna say you did a couple of, uh the the murder mystery aspect of this is really well done um is that is was that something that intrigued you about this are you a murder mystery fan is that 
definitely something that you you wanted to highlight, I guess. I, I'm a murder mystery fan, but I'm intimidated by the complexity of mm -hmm. the uh you you probably won't won't see me write a, a whodunit um because it's a complicated venture. You're writing 10, yeah. 12 suspects, different motives, characters, and the like. If it's a little more contained, a little more intimate, yeah, I'll take a swing, but it's a testament to Mishnah's proficiency in in the genre. Um I'm less of a Gosford Park guy and more of a clue. <laughs> guy you yeah know, in terms of the color buoyancy <laughs> pacing and style um i'm also just a bit more dense kind of overall so i think it was that was an all hands on deck effort you know but i think i think that the script was just it was just so there i was able to come in and do kind of a director's pass on it to really kind of make explicit certain moments drive home certain winks to the audience and the like and keep keep the suspects um uh the the plate spinning in terms of who might be our murderer as long as we possibly could. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. so, so I, I, I love it. I'd be, ha I'd be happy to do another one. If this is my brand, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to happy to keep playing in the space, but it's, it's intimidating to helm as a writer. I can't, you know, I can't imagine you, you know, you have to have multiple personalities as it is an, as an actor, but as a writer to kind of get in and all the different kind of, you know, colors of an archetype. Um, it's really something. The clue, I love the clue reference, though. Uh, I love how you keep mentioning clue because that's one thing I thought about. Just because you've got current comic actors at the top of their game uh, playing off each other in this kind of setting, I'm I'm kind of shocked more people haven't done this, or maybe they have and they just haven't done it well. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely had a lot of clue vibes uh, in in a good way when I was <laughs> when I was watching this. So mm -hmm. there's a pretty awesome comedy. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't even call it uh, underwatched or or underrated, but I think Jason Bateman's Game Night. It's a very oh yeah 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 is so yeah we're huge probably fans of that. close. But I mean, like as a comedy with like kind of you know a few twists and turns, it's it's an out and out comedy, you know, kind of action film. But mm -hmm. that's probably the closest I can think of recently. Next to Ready or Not, of course, not Ready mm -hmm. or Not and Knives Out have kind of um, they were in production, if not coming out by the time we went into production, kind of going like, oh boy, is this going to be sort of trodden? And luckily, it um, it separates, if not supports, the fact that you know this is a this is a tried and true and successful sort of style of, of filmmaking and story and um yeah excited to be a part of it mm -hmm. um i asked this of a lot of directors what a, what was your hardest day on set oh man that's easy uh well i guess there were a couple there was one day when we were on main street um uh when uh finn and cecily are just kind of meeting everybody and we were raced that was one day we had one day to go from setup to setup to setup, making our way down Main Street in Phoenicia, New York. We, you know, we had one camera. And so we're, we are flying through people's scenes and coverage and not enough time to improvise and play. And it's Michaela's first day and stuff like that. It was really tough because you can't, mm -hmm. you know, you can only do the best you can as a director um, to support your actors, but you can't keep the sun in the sky any longer that, you know, than it is. So that was probably the hardest day. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, just for me feeling like I, I wish I could have supported everyone um, to the fullest extent, but you know, you only have so many resources. You're always going to be fighting the sun. And sometimes you got to say too bad, 
you know, we, I trust me, we got what we mm. need. Trust me. Um, and then I'd say the other one is like, without giving anything, you know, away, um, when stunts get involved and you only have so many takes before it, you know, it, it might, you know, hurt your stunt person's rib, or it might be a little too much on your, your stunt, your stunt person to, you know, bound off some mm. surface or whatever else. Um, uh, you gotta, you yeah. gotta really be particular about your your takes and your coverage and and know when you got it when enough is enough i absolutely love this movie i hope uh i hope uh, you uh, yeah. find a huge audience for it uh and and like i said i could probably pick out a million different actors and we could talk about them for five to ten minutes and 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 i and i, and I almost feel bad that we didn't get around to a lot of them or whatever but uh, I guess we still have a few t- few minutes. I just don't want to just leave. I don't want to leave anybody out. But um, but let's talk. Uh, let's talk about Rebecca Henderson a little bit. Uh, there's another. She plays another interesting character in this, and the way that you present her in this is amazing because she always seems to pop out as a surprise uh, in in this movie uh tell, tell me about her a little bit because i've seen her before but I, I i don't know if i had registered her before before this so yeah tell tell, tell us about her um it's funny so first of all <clears throat> dr ellis was written for uh you know uh richard jenkins david thewlis type you know it was very very clear from the get-go and my uh without you know tuning any horns or, you know, beating my chest or uh, patting myself on the back too much. I do have a responsibility as a director, as a Caucasian 37 year old male director um, to cast as diversely Mm -hmm. um, as I can. Um, And, you know, that obviously uh, pertains to our main character. Um, Sam, you know, very well could have been, uh, you know, um, a a Caucasian male lead. He didn't Mm -hmm. have to be. And in fact, the fact Mm -hmm. that he's an African-American character, um, that he's a black man in a predominantly white town, that only adds texture to it. And those are, and that's actually, that's Mm -hmm. accurate too. That's that's the town I, you know, the towns I grew up in, you know, you can really feel like an outsider, regardless of what you look like. If you're not from, you know, upstate, you know, you can truly feel like you're um, like you you're not one of them. And that only adds to the circumstances. And as far as uh, Dr. Ellis is concerned, I thought, well, we've already seen a Richard Jenkins type do this role. Why don't we see Rebecca, who destroyed me in Russian Doll? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I've known her wife, yeah. Leslie Headland. I've sort of fanned over her for a bit. Um and mm. I just, I just knew in what Rebecca had popped up in, you know, Russian Doll kind of being the most recent example where she, she was just kind of a secret weapon um, uh, as an actor, a jack of all trades. She, if you, you need someone to play drama at the top of their game, she can play drama at the top of her game, like pull tears, play terror, whatever it is humor she is so sharply funny i felt um probably the Mm -hmm. most most guilty uh in regards to her scenes throughout anybody uh throughout the entire film because she was always kind of you know lurking in the dark and kind of um uh in her own sort of world and we only had so much time you know you got to knock out what you knock out with the majority of cast and you've got you know your kind of one-off brief scenes with dr ellis and so her stuff rushed as it was was always performed to the absolute like most proficient skill like she is so damn funny Mm -hmm. and so 
<laughs> so good. Um, I saw her in uh, an off Broadway plays in New York as well. I mean, uh, and I, I just, I just knew she could, she could kind of um, play a character who might be a bit uh, sort of, you know, antisocial, um, not have much of a social filter, mm-hmm. get a bit in their head, play that paranoia super well, but also like be able to, um, you know, spin the plates and balance the line, toe the line of, of, of humor and, uh, and, and drama. And she did. She nailed it. And I'm mm-hmm. glad we I'm glad we took a different route there with her. She killed it, killed it. Makes me laugh every time Finn oh, turns yeah. and reveals her, you know. Oh, she's so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Oh, I'm so awesome. And just the yeah, hi. <laughs> I literally don't know what's um, what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh I I I don't know. I, Jonathan, you have anything else? Well, I did um well. I did want to. I was curious too. I mentioned the murder mystery aspect, but you also made a really good werewolf movie, which is not something that apparently is very easy to do because we don't have a ton of them. So, <laughs> was that something that interested you as well? Like, are you you were talking about uh, Sam being a, a a werewolf movie fan? So yeah, I mean, we uh, what can I say? I mean, I knew um, it was definitely appealing. Um, I knew what I wanted out of it as a werewolf lover. Um, mm-hmm. We already get that inherently with, you know, um, the kind of reveal. Oh, we haven't quite seen this as much. Um, yeah, this yeah, sort yeah. Of route this sort of approach. A, but B, I knew that um, you know immediately. Uh, I wanted to, um, I wanted to make sure that the performer came out through the prosthetics. That the prosthetics didn't, or the werewolf suit. Mm-hmm. didn't overshadow or cake my actor um that you actually got to see facial expressions i mean in kind of an old school way i guess i guess you could see yeah could emote through all of that um mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. and we were able we were able to do that which i think was wonderful it was awesome working with constantine sicaris he was our um uh, constantine is our, our creature effects dude and he was, he was so gracious to come aboard and work on this film because he's, he's used to working on you know hundred million dollar movies of which this was not one. And he was just excited. He's a werewolf fan. He's like, wow, I haven't seen this quite, you know? So um, to work with him and to just kind of give him the, the, the skin of what I was looking for and then just let him go for it was, was a thrill. So Very cool. You would think it was a good one then, then success, you know? Absolutely. No. Yeah. That's just, that <laughs> seems to be like the horror movie fan. Uh, that seems to be the common trope, you know, there's not enough good werewolf movies. So it's nice when one comes yeah. along and, uh, yeah, for sure. I uh, uh, no spoilers, but I do enjoy the the weapon that was eventually used on the werewolf uh, at the end of this movie, um, uh, it, the, <laughs> it, especially because Sam Richardson is lying there, and I don't know if I don't I don't know if his whatever he says right after that, which is like what the hell or something to that nature, something whatever. Um, <laughs> uh the the uh the it's it's a line that could be talking about the situation but it could also be talking about the weapon that was used in this scene and everything too i was i was saying like what the hell you know that type of thing um uh, what a nice touch anyway there's there's it doesn't seem like uh, any stone was left unturned in this movie and i uh no and uh i like i said i hope everybody goes out to see this uh when it's available 
All right. Um, we'd like to thank Josh Rubin uh, for coming onto the Sincast today. Thank you so much for for uh, talking with us today. It was uh, it was great getting to know more yeah, about man. your movie. Um, the movie is Werewolves Within. Um, it comes out in theaters. Uh, is it uh, what where what theaters can we watch this in, in on June twenty fifth? Is this a limited uh, run? Uh, that's a great question. I know that we're up to like seventy, so it ain't limited. They're kind of awesome. Kind of going to be a bit. Oh, okay. So check your local listings. You know? Oh, okay. I know we're coming to Alamo here in Los yeah. Angeles, and I'm thrilled about that. That's a bucket nice. list item for me. But they're they're all oh, over the country. that'll be badass. Um, it'll uh it'll be uh, in theaters June 25th on demand July 2nd. Uh, that's gonna do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.